Good morning. Good morning, Connect. How's everybody doing? I, there's so much energy. I can preach without a microphone. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's that kind of service. Are you guys excited for today? Oh, come on. Just high five the person next to you and say, get ready. That's right. It's going to be a good message. I'm so glad I get to do this. Um, I'm truly thankful for the opportunity. But can you, before I get started, can you help me welcome back from a well-deserved and rest vacation, Pastor Stacy? She's here. Pastor Derek. Oh, he just came in. Give it up for Pastor Derek. <laughs> that was not... <laughs> that was... We planned that, actually. Uh, it's... It's in, it's in PCO. <laughs> that was perfect. It was uh, aligned with heaven. Uh, we're so, so grateful. Thank you, Pastor Derek, for the opportunity. Uh, we missed you. So glad you guys are back. You get a great tan. I'm jealous. And I also want to, can we give it up for the pastors that were part of the Summer, Summer Slam series? Pastor Josh, Pastor Jim, Pastor Cliff. Great messages. Just a little recap. If you missed it, I went back and watched some of it uh, last night because I want to get the most out of the series. Pastor Josh uh, talked about worship. Do you remember that? How like you can GPS the presence of God to the praise on your lips. I thought that was a great takeaway. Uh, Pastor Jim, he preached on relationship and how like vulnerability has detection. He gave an example of the four valves of the heart. And that was a great takeaway to teach us that we need to give what we receive from God in love. Amen. That was a great message also. And then Pastor Cliff preached on leadership, and he's a great leader, isn't he? What an amazing leader he is. He talked about how servant leadership can help us reach our communities. And in my opinion, it was the greatest opener of all time. <laughs> if you missed it, like, I was rolling multiple times at home. He was, he's a funny guy. He's got dad jokes. I'm stealing some of those jokes for myself. Uh, but today, we're going to be talking about lordship, the lordship of Jesus Christ. Everybody say, let's talk about it. See, because I think lordship is one of the main outcomes in our spiritual project. Second service, you know what's happening. It's one of the outcomes, I think the main outcome that we get in spiritual progression. We are all on a journey, yes? And I think one of the outcomes is lordship, where he is the lord of all, or he is not lord at all. If that's speaking to you, Shout amen. amen. And just so you know, the more you shout back, it gets better. And if you don't, I tend to get blanks, like in deer in the headlight type look. So just so you know, that's coming. But before we talk about anything, isn't it helpful to define what we're going to talk about? It's always helpful. So I want to give you what I would call the triple A. Say triple A. Because I want you to think of batteries. Like the ones that are always missing from your remote control because your kids put it in a toy. <laughs> You're laughing, but you're angry, I know. Um, and so the AAA of lordship, uh, if, you could, if, you're, if you're taking notes, write this down, because note takers are, that's right, where'd you learn that? And so if you're, if you're not taking notes, write this down. If you need a pen, just raise your hand, we'll throw them at you. Totally safe, past COVID. Um, Write this down. Number one is absolute surrender. Absolute surrender. Because how many know you can partially surrender? Right? And so we want to live for him. Everybody say him. Not ourselves, right? I just want to be helpful this morning. Is that okay if I do that? 
And it says in Galatians, just so that it's not my opinion, but rooted in the word, Galatians chapter 2.20 says it like this. I'll read it to you. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live. Who remembers this verse? Right? No longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Number two would be acknowledgement of ownership. Write that down. Acknowledgement of ownership. We have to acknowledge that we don't belong to ourselves because we have been freed from the tyranny of our autonomy. And so Jesus' substitutionary atoning death for us cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Look at me for a moment. You were freed at a great cost to be his. In 1 Corinthians, it says it like this, chapter 6, verse 19, if you're taking notes. For you have been bought for a price. Everybody say, big price. Big price. That's right. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought for a price? Number three, actional obedience. The biggest difference between fans and followers is keeping the teachings. You see, fans will cheer it on, but followers will live it on. And let me give you a verse just to kind of substantiate that phrase. In John 14, 15, many of you know probably how to finish this verse. If you don't, it'll flop. But if you love me, you will obey my commandments. That's right. All of us need a small group this fall. On <laughs> there we go, Pastor Jim. There's a small group idea. Bible! <laughs> if you love me, Obey my commandments. And actually, that's going to be a theme throughout the message today because it's a pattern in the Bible. How many know God is our idol, Jesus is our pattern, and the Bible is our direction? And so it's going to be a pattern. And before we get started, though, what I want to do real quick is just back up and say a prayer. Could you close your eyes right where you are? I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to, to breathe on, on this message so that it can speak to you in the right way, so that you don't feel indicted, but you feel challenged because he loves you. Holy Spirit, I uh, thank you for the wisdom and the principles that we find in your word. And in this moment, I'm so thankful for all of those here and watching online that will be transformed not by the speaker, but by the truth found in your word. And so I ask that I would decrease and that I would only repeat the things that I heard clearly from your own word, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. And everybody said? Amen. So let me back up a little bit, and uh, I want to thank you. Can we just thank Victor, actually? He's in Ashland. It's been, what, six months or so? Yeah, and so I, I just told him, like, don't visit too often, you know what I'm saying? Like, because it'll be hard to leave, buddy. That's right. We love you too much. But when I ask and talk about lordship, it's actually a, a topic that um, can be convoluted if you don't unpack it right. So I wanted to give you kind of like an example that helped me understand what lordship is like. Uh, well, I want to say first that like believing in God is where it begins, yes? Yeah. It's where it starts. 
But how many know believing is not the finish line? Like we will celebrate that and it's a, it's a moment where we should be we filled with joy. The Bible talks about the happiness in heaven when someone surrenders to Jesus. But, but like the, the giving and the believing and the accepting is not the finish line. It's the starting line. Can I get an amen? And so it's not the end, but it's a means to an end. And the end, I believe, is a life-changing spiritual journey that allows us to become disciples under his lordship. But I wanted to give you an analogy to kind of like paint the picture to help you understand how I saw it. And maybe it'll help you. Um, how many of you have ever purchased a house in your, in your life? Raise your hand. So have you ever purchased like a fixer-upper? I know you guys have. <laughs> I actually went to you for counsel. Uh, so how many know that like when you buy a fixer-upper, you, you think it's going to be just some paint and some, a couple of walls, and you're still trying to get it done, and it's been four years. How many know you've blown the budget three times, and that's okay? So there's something about when you buy property that, that speaks to this. I remember when I bought uh, our first house here in, in Ashland, we moved from Boston five years ago, and I've actually never been the same. I've been so blessed by this house and the teachings. Like, even my pastors have touched the lives of our children. We were so moved by that. It was one of the biggest blessings of our lives. But one of the greatest learnings of our lives was buying this house that needed work. <laughs> and it, I actually loved the experience. Um, and when, when we bought it, we knew, like, we were going to have to do some things, and I was ready for the challenge. Uh, the challenge is still going on, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> Don't drive by and look at my lawn that was burned last week because it was 90 degrees. <laughs> but when, I remember, like, when we were actually closing. Do you, do you know this thing called closing on, on a house? Like, if you haven't bought a house, there's this thing called closing where uh, it, like, bankrupts you. <laughs> It's like, that's how, but you, it's like, it's a moment of reckoning in real estate where like, uh, so this is what it's like, but you, you have to sign like 70 pages. You remember this? And there, it doesn't really feel like you're getting ownership. You're signing one paper and the lawyer says jibber jabber and like you just sign and like you care what he's talking about within the first five pages. But then like page 37, you're like, just give me the next page. And then I, I started signing Chris Mendes in the beginning, but at the end it was like Paul Jones or something. Like my signature was just all over the place. I started signing and then it just became scribbles. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I think one page it was just an X. Just to see like, will they catch that? Will they see that? But what gives you ownership, I didn't feel like I owned it when I signed for it. But you know what did give me like this first sense of this is mine? Do you know what that moment was? When you get the keys, keys, keys. If you know that, God bless you. You need to be saved. It's when you get the keys. Like, the keys give you this level of, you know, authority. It's mine! You know, I remember going into the house and, like, opening every door of all three units. Didn't even need to. Just wanted to open it because I can. Like, and there was this one door, like, there was no key for us. I said, break it down! Rip it out of the wall. Why? Because it's my house! That's right, and I remember like when we got into the development work, uh, I had a hammer, like I bought a sledgehammer, it's, I've used it once, but this one time I went ham, like we were doing the bathroom and I got to do some demolition because, you know, when it's yours you can demo, right, because th there's something that, 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 that demolition is required for it to be restored better, and so I, I, I forget who was helping, so many people helped me by the way, thank you, whoever you are out there, there's like so, so many of you that helped me, uh, you know, do the things that I'd learned how to do on YouTube. <laughs> I'm a pro. You don't need to go to school. Um, 
And I remember like just going ham on this wall. I was just like hitting it with all of my might. And then Silvero came in. He's like, Chris, we didn't need to take down that wall. <laughs> and I was like, yes, we did. Because it's destroyed now. And I put so much work into this. I remember like Cliff and Nicole helping me paint the living room. You know, it was dark gray. I didn't want dark gray, by the way. Um, I remember like Sil helping me put the floor down and, and Jeff helped me put like these super heavy sheetrock on the ceiling. I was like, why is it so heavy? He's like, because it's got to be fire retardant or else the whole thing will burn down. I'm like, all right, you know, I'm breaking my neck. He's putting it up with one finger. I'm like, this is not fair. And I think I put so much elbow grease into this house that I don't think I'd sell it for the sheer pain I went through. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care how much it's worth. I'm not selling this. thing. It's got sentimental value now. And then there's something about putting work into property, into things that you own, that makes you more attached. Like, it increases your sense of ownership, doesn't it? And so when I tell you this story, lordship is a lot like this. Because when we submit and surrender to Jesus, there's something about giving him access to all parts of your body and your faith that allows him to restore you for the better. And maybe it's the things that he has to destroy and demolish that is painful in one moment, but exactly necessary so that you can be restored to the glory of a son and daughter. Amen. So, Lordship is about full access. Tell the person next to you, full access. That just gives me time to drink water, by the way. And so the big idea, you'll see it up on the screen, is believing in Jesus is not the finish line. It's the first step in dethroning a limited life experience. So I want to help you. I don't want to indict you or accuse you of anything, but I know that we are all on a spiritual journey, and many of us are in different places. And so throughout the message, hopefully you'll see yourself in a, a part or a stage, and we could talk about some practical th things that would help you to keep on taking a step forward in your faith. Amen? Is it okay if we read the Bible? Should be, right? Uh, if you didn't read the Bible, we're going to read a lot of the Bible today, and so you're, hopefully you're, you're, you're happy for that. If you have... Uh, you know, it on your phone, turn it on. If you have the paper version, you are actually a follower. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, open up to Luke chapter 6, verse 46, real quick. And it, it's interesting that this verse was picked, and I didn't even know the worship set, but a lot of the patterns here are aligning to this message. So it's Luke chapter 6, verse 46. It'll also be up on the screen if you don't have an example of the word. Uh, the title is, uh, this is Jesus giving a story about the wise and the foolish builders. Uh, so this would probably be in red if you have that kind of Bible. It's Jesus talking about a parable. And it goes like this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? It's a question. How many love the way Jesus teaches, by the way? He always teaches by asking you a question. And then when you ask a question, what does he do? He asks you another question. Because his questions give you more information than your answers. And then it continues in verse 47. I will show you. Oh, pay attention. Lean in. I will show you what it is like who comes to me, hears my words, and puts them into practice. So he's going to give us an example of lordship. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep. Everybody say deep. And laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it. Everybody say amen. amen. 
That's a mature Christian right there. Because it was well built. Verse 49. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torch struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. One of the takeaways that you should take here is God didn't mean to destroy any of the houses, but life has a way of testing structure. In fact, there's a verse that says, uh, it's a teaching I learned from PD that talks about how faith that isn't tested or isn't proven may not be true. And so there's something about how life will test you that's good for you. But it all depend on what you're made of. Uh, another way I heard it in the military was like, uh, life is like a grindstone. And so whether it polishes you up or grinds you down depends on what you're made of. So he's talking about this, but the biggest takeaway is the foundation. And the lordship of Jesus Christ should be our foundational faith. Can I get an amen? And so lordship prevents the collapse. That's what the takeaway here is in this verse. When your life is being steered by Jesus, how many know he actually knows where he's trying to take us? It's not an act of restriction or negative consequences. It's an act out of love with the intention to protect. In fact, I would even go further and say the, the lack of lordship in our lives is probably the number one reason or source of pain and regret. There's a key text in John chapter 3. The same chapter that talks about, you know, if you believe you receive, John chapter 3 verse 16. If you believe in him, you won't perish but have everlasting life. In that same chapter though, when you believe and accept, if you would just continue reading, it talks about in verse 35 that the father loves the son and has entrusted all things to his hand. The one who believes in the Son has what? Eternal life. But the one who does not obey, everybody say obey. obey. The one who does not obey the Son will not see life. I think that's the part where most of us maybe miss the transition. It's not just about believing, but it's what believing is supposed to cause in you, which is to continue to take steps forward in your life-changing spiritual journey. And so I'm trying to teach you this so that you don't stop at believing because that's just the starting line. Can I get an amen? amen? But the problem of lordship is idolatry. And I don't have a lot of time to unpack idolatry, but let me give you just a quick definition. And it's idolatry that keeps us on the throne. So John Bevere will call it... Uh, talks about it, how like idolatry is adultery against God, if you see Jesus as the groomsman and the church as the bride. But it, it means that something has replaced God in your heart. That's, that's what idols do. It, it means that, that God is no longer a priority. And it, so, but it's not when the sinner falls into sin. It's when, the, it's when the, the, the believer gives himself over to sin. Okay, There's a big difference, and I want to make sure you get that distinction. There's something about falling but getting right again because holiness isn't about perfection. It's about always washing yourself in the blood of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Right? But it's when you think wrong is right that you lose the lordship of Jesus over your life. And so I would even say that one of the most intimate disciples, the one who said he was the closest to Jesus, who was there with him in the last moments with his mother, took ownership to care for his mother, didn't care what would happen to him, was there on the cross until the end. He says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 21, talk about the power of parting words. Usually they are important, yes or no? Yes. 
they are. And he says, keep yourselves from idols. And the problem with idols in the past um, is that they would also replace the position of God in our hearts, but it was easy to destroy a statue or burn an image. But today, when we look at what idolatry has done in the modern sense, is that modern idolatry puts someone else on the throne. And it's very hard for God to be Lord when we're in charge. And it's very hard to make decisions when we're asking for him to bless what we've already decided versus include him in our counsel. And so the, the, the difficult thing, and sometimes these idols, they get me. They get me. But, but, but the power of Jesus operating in us has the strength to get you to last longer than the power of sin in your life. Can I get an amen? amen. But some examples would be the things that happen in our mind. Modern idolatry can be the things that you value around what you think is more important. For some people, it's their career. For some people, it's their money, and they attach how much money they make to their self-worth. For some people, it's their kids. Yes, kids can become an idol. We are to steward them, not make them gods. For some people, it's uh, self-image. For some people, we see ourselves as gods, and we become the master of our destiny, and we forget that our origin determines our destiny. And so my question to you is, what have you possibly placed on the throne of your life? that is leading us to a limited experience. In fact, in the book of Acts, which is the blueprint for the church and for much of preaching, not in the form of sir, not in the, in the form of sir, but in the form of Yahweh in the God name, Lord is mentioned and ascribed to Jesus 92 times in the book of Acts. And he's called Savior only twice. Now, we know that Jesus is Savior, but he is much more Lord than Savior. Can I get an amen? Because the race is long, and you must run the race with the ambition to finish it. So we cannot rely on our strength ourselves. We must rely on an ultimate superior power. In fact, you can't defeat sin with your own strength. You must rely on a superior filling, a superior majesty. And this is what the lordship of Jesus helps us do. When we are not enough, Jesus is sufficient. When we can't make it, he allows us to take another step. There's something about the lordship of Jesus that we need every single day because we are no match for sin but death has met its match in the power and the blood of Jesus Christ that has saved you for a purpose in such a time and so I just want to help you understand it in a way that's organized and I can thank Pastor Derek for this because I'm usually just a good storyteller but I've learned to be structured so there's something about helping you retain what you've obtained that will serve you better in everything that that you're taught or how you learn and so say this word with me say bottle Say a little louder. Say bottle. bottle. But I don't want you to spell it B-O-T-T-L-E. I want you to spell it B-O-D-L. Bottle. That's how Brazilians do it. <laughs> it was funnier in this service, actually. <laughs> there are more Brazilians here. You guys like to sleep late. Um, and it, it was interesting, PD, that um, I saw next steps in this acronym. Uh, I was looking at looking over it last night as I was sweating, not to mess up today. 
And I saw belief. I saw obedience, discipleship, and lordship as a natural progression to the starting line. And so B is for belief. Say belief. Belief. Always for obedience. Say obedience. Obedience. D is for discipleship. Discipleship. L is for lordship. Lordship. And W is write that down. (laughs) Write that down. Write that down. But how can you believe in God or how can you know God without believing in him? And so these four things is actually what Connect is trying to do with Next Steps. So if you're here for the first time and you're trying to understand more about your belief in God, watch this. When you believe in God, you set yourself up to know God. That's step one. When you start to believe in God, you start to obey as a way to further the experience And when you obey God, guess what you find? Freedom. That's the second thing that we're trying to do as a church, help you find freedom. As you find freedom through obedience, over time, obedience will create a discipleship in you because you are internalizing those teachings. When you internalize the teachings, you get to know God at such a level, you discover your purpose. That's the third thing that you learn at Next Steps. And then finally, the outcome is lordship, where you get to make a difference under the submission of authority. How many know you have the most authority when you are under authority? And so if you'd like to learn more, I invite you, encourage you, make it mandatory almost. Check out Next Steps because you'll see this there. But let's get started. So believing is tied to obedience. Well, it's the natural curiosity path. You want to experience more what you believe. And so obedience is the growth door to your faith. It's like the fertilizer to believing more. And a question I have for you is, think about like why you listen to people. Because it's easy for me to come up here and say, obey God, have a good Sunday. (laughs) But think about like when you do listen to people, when you do obey, when you heed, when you yield, when you lean in, why do you do it? Like, think about the people that you listen to, thinking about them. Pastor Derek should be on there. And now think about the people that you don't listen to. Whitney's on there. I'm kidding. (laughs) It's because I heard her voice. She knows I love her. I just heard her voice at spontaneous worship. (laughs) Um, Think about the people that you don't listen to. Why is that? Like, what's, what's the bridge break? When you do listen to, maybe it's because it's in your best interest, yeah? You, maybe you don't want those consequences, or it's because it's coming from a place of trust and love. And so you don't obey God to avoid the wrath of God. You obey him because you know he loves you. Does that make sense? Let me read this for you. Because Jesus modeled this very well, and how many love the teachings of Jesus? Because he, just, he, he, he doesn't just say it, he models it, and he models it very well. It says it like this in John chapter 12, verse 49. I'll read it for you. Because even Jesus obeyed. And if there was anybody that could like do his own thing, who is it? It's Jesus, right? But instead, look at what he says. For I do not speak on my own initiative. Okay. Talk about the authority of Jesus. It's because he was submitted to the Father. And it continues. But the Father himself who sent me has given me commandment. I have orders. (laughs) What to say? And what to speak. Now, here's a practical step for you. Let's just use this example of speaking. What about how you speak could you submit to the obedience of lordship? Ephesians 4.29 says this. Let no unwholesome, unwholesome word come out of your mouth. 
But if there is any good word for edification, according to the need of the moment, say that, so that it will be grace to those who hear examples, your example. Say this with me, words have power. Tell the person next to you, words have more power. Never call yourself clumsy again. Never look in the mirror or speak to yourself and say you're an idiot. I know that even as parents, we see certain situations with our sons and daughters, and we just want to call it like it is, right? <laughs> you are a blessing. Yes. Oh, my God. You, how could you are a prophet? <laughs> but sometimes that's not what comes out, right? But can I just give you some, some, some loving coaching from the Bible this morning? Careful with what you say. Words of power. Even Jesus himself only spoke how and what the Father wanted him to. And so if the Son of God is saying, hey, I'm only going to say what God wants me to say, maybe being real is not saying what you want. Maybe that's called lack of wisdom. <laughs> Amen. One of the most powerful things in human psychology is your mind's ability to remain consistent with what you say about yourself. Yeah. And so, I don't know, what could you do this week? Maybe not curse and see how that changes the atmosphere. Maybe not speak negatively to yourself and see how that enhances your life experience. The principles of God are here to enhance and help us live in royalty. Can I get an amen? amen. There's a danger to nicknames, you know. Because usually nicknames highlight a negative trait in our, in our, in our personality. And so the world wants to give you a name by giving you a nickname. But just know that at the end of the day, you must remove the world's nicknames to step into the identity that God has for you in your own name. Yeah. Amen? No nicknames, God's name for you. Not what the world has to say, not the opinions of others, but what the Bible has to say about you every day, all day. Can I get an amen? Words have power. And so... Believing is tied to obedience, but obedience is tied to discipleship. Just so you understand, like, you, when you transition from obedience to discipleship, it, it's something that you do. It's something that you just decide that you are going to do, and you may not fully grasp or understand it yet. So when you think about obedience over time, it internalizes. That's why the Bible talks about how you should meditate on the book night and day so that the word of God can be hidden in your heart. Remember this verse? Remember this teaching? There's something about uh, obeying that internalizes and then you start to become discipled. But uh, this is where a lot of people, I think, get stuck is because we want to understand everything. But it's very unnatural to want to understand everything. Now, listen, I'm not asking you to check your intellectual capacity at the door, but there's something about trusting and learning that disciples you versus I want to know it all before I do anything. Like even language. Look at how you learn Portuguese. Look at how you learn Spanish. Look at how you learn English. Like even, even my sons, they, how, did, how did they start? How did you start speaking? Did you know the, the definition of supercatrophagulistic espialidocious? <laughs> No, I still don't know what that means. But I repeat it. The, how we learn, like the word disciple means student, right? It, 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 it talks about grasping onto a learning. Uh, the, 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 the disciples would follow Jesus. The word disciple 
meant student. They called him a master. So there, there's something about even how you learn language where you just repeat words. Like when my sons were learning how to speak, they, they would learn dada or, or mama or water, you know, or uh, some, some kind of word. And, and they didn't really understand what that word meant. It was only after they learned how to enunciate the word and then had understanding that they knew, oh, that's what that word means. And so when you're learning to follow Christ, you surrender in trust and faith. And you know that he's a good father and that he's for you. And that even though you don't understand, you're going to obey continually because he has your best interest in mind. Can I get an amen? John 14, 21 says, whoever has my commandments and keep them, he is the one who loves me. That's a pattern in the Bible. You're going to see that in a lot of different excerpts and narratives. Discipleship speaks to sanctification. Now, I just want to get this theology right. Our eternal salvation is positional righteousness. When we believe and accept Jesus, that's when that happens. We are now in right standing. Whereas discipleship, after belief, is the practical surrender, submission, and yielding to him on a daily basis. If that makes sense, say yes. When you think of the word discipleship, doesn't the word discipline come to mind? And so, I, I want to give you something practical. You know that disciple, disciple means student. Now, I'm actually leading a small group this fall. It's either going to be on prayer or deliverance, or both. <laughs> we can do a new one. Um, and the, the reason why I think small groups are, are so important is because it, it gives you the opportunity to ask further questions to apply even more what you already know. Does this make sense? And so... There's small group leader training that's happening soon. If you've never been a part of a small group, like, this is your moment. And can I just give you some advice? When you look at all of the offerings that we have on, on the website and in, the, and in the app, don't pick the small group that all your friends or the people that you know to are going. Pick the small group in the area that you need the most discipline in. Because in the word discipleship, you see the word discipline. And so there are certain spiritual disciplines that help you keep walking forward without stagnation. And so pick one that's going to elevate your walk with Jesus. And if you're looking through it, and like what you really want to do, you know, eat at a bunch of restaurants maybe, isn't, isn't on there, and it's like a topic, and you really want to grow in that area, you've just become the leader of that small group. <laughs> because I learned this from Pastor Derek. Did you know that the best way to learn something is to, to teach it? And so even if it's not on there, can I challenge you to lead it? We'll equip you. We'll resource you. I'll pop in there. But don't stag stagnate or stop your growth because there's not an offering. Can I get an amen? amen? The third and last point is how discipleship is tied to lordship. It's the bottle acronym. Believing, obedience, discipleship, and lordship. When we talk about lordship, Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And I want to give you three characteristics that would give you a small view into what it's like living under the lordship of Jesus Christ. If you could stand with me this morning. Number one is you respond. You respond to the call of God. And the key word here is respond. Amen? 
just so you know you're going to be standing for another 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm kidding. The key word is respond. Heaven is interested in your response. Not so much your questions. You, you see the, the model in the crucifixion story. How many thieves were there? Malefactors to the left and right, too. And then the one to the left, he, he would challenge Jesus and say, if you're really a king, then pray to your God and your kingdom and get us down from here. And he was afflicting him with judgment. What did Jesus say to him? He had a bunch of questions. What did Jesus answer? He didn't say anything. He was silent. But then the malefactor to the right, he said, oh, king. When you enter into your kingdom, remember me. What did Jesus say? Even today, you will be with me in paradise. It's one of the most scandalous expressions of grace in the Bible. Do you know what made Jesus respond to him? His response, not his question. And so when we look about what it takes to have a mature lordship experience with Jesus at the helm, it's you responding to the call of God in your life. It involves answering the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Like, how are you managing your finances? Is it meistic? Or is it heavenly minded? How are you managing your decisions? How are you responding to God in what you're building? Does it have a strong foundation in lordship? Having a daily walk whereby we yield to his leading. It involves a process of total transformation of our minds, emotions, affection, and hearts. Second characteristic, lordship means subjecting our will to his will. Prayer is about many things. But once you're done with your list, the number one priority of prayer is alignment. It's so that you can get the heart of God in it. It's so that you can understand what God sees and what he's doing. It's unselfish. It's yielding. It involves your kingdom come. Your will be done. It means subjecting, realigning our plans, our vision, our mission to God's agenda, not your interests. Is it okay if I help you? Jesus modeled submission by doing the will of the Father who had sent him. The third characteristic is letting the word of God transform us. 1 John 2, verse 4 says it like this. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. Strong language, right? And the truth is not in them. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. Here's a practical step. If the outcome of our journey is lordship, what would be the manifestation of this maturity? It's sharing what Jesus has done in your life. It's being the most unselfish Christian because that's what lordship does. Lordship allows you to align with God's emotions. And how many know God is not selfish? 
And as unselfish Christians, we understand that there are people around us. Even though some work from home, you still have access to people in our communities and over technology to know that they are dying, desperate, needy in such a time as this. And guess what? You have the words on your lips that could bring hope into their situation. So could I challenge you this morning to do something different with every eye closed and every head bowed? I want to give you a moment to think of the first person that comes into your mind that needs Jesus. Who's that person? Who is that person? Think about that name. I want you to write that name on your heart symbolically right now. Father, I thank you for those names. I thank you for moving us in compassion. Not to teach people about biblical theology, but to share people what you've done in our lives so that they can benefit from the lordship of Jesus Christ that protects us from all evil. Lord, I thank you for helping us remember those that need you so that we can intercede for them in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Now look at me for a sec. Can I give you some practical steps? I want you to pray for that name. I want you to pray for that name. Really pray. Ask friends to help you pray. But I don't want you to invite them to church. Is that okay if I do this? I want you to just pray for them. Start at the beginning of the week. And then at the end of the week, I just want you to check in on them. How are you? And then what I want you to do is I want you to report back to the leadership of this church how they responded to you checking in on them after prayer. Because people don't care about the truth that you know until they know that you care about them truly. There's something about releasing the power of the Holy Spirit and His love and compassion to people before you invite them to church. Whenever I do this, you know some of the things that happen? When you call to check up on them, they'll say, it's interesting. I was thinking about going to church this Sunday. <laughs> you know, I had you on my mind. What do you think that is? Oh, it's the stroke of luck. It's the randomness of the universe. Or there's a God in heaven to li that listens to prayers. And he's dispatching angels even right now for them to be reached. As I close, I want to ask you one final question. Which key is it? Which key is it? Is it the big one? Or is it the small one? What are you talking about? Lordship requires full access. What hinders our walk is that someone sits there and it's not his place. And I know that if I, if I asked you, you, you would talk about how you trust that God holds the power of the universe in his hand. And that his word spoken to the ocean still lays in obedience. And that you would believe God for a miracle and that he breaks the back of cancer. And so we would believe God for the big things. But then it's interesting that when we look inwardly, we think we know best. And we say, well, you know what? This relationship here, I think I got it. Well, this college that I'm going to go to, I think I got this. And we're asking God to bless decisions of where we're going to take our careers or what we're going to do next or what we're going to invest in or who the partners of our businesses will be or who we're going to marry and where we're going to move to. And we're not asking God's counsel. We're asking him to bless something. But let me say something to you, church. God is not in the blessing business of decisions he didn't approve. 
And so if he's going to be the Lord of all, he has to be the God of the hills, but he's also the God of the valley. He's the God of the big things, but he's also the God of the small decisions that you think are details, but that matter in the context of Lordship. If you could close your eyes, I'm gonna give you one second challenge. I do this just so that you can focus and I'll end. In John 20, 28, when Jesus appears to the disciples, Thomas wasn't there. Now when he appears again because Thomas doubted, the first thing that Thomas says is, my Lord and my God. He doesn't say my God, my God. He says my Lord and my God. You see the Lordship of Jesus destroys doubt. <laughs> God means deity and all-powerful. Lordship means sovereign over me. If you're here this morning and you just want some help on how can I bring Jesus to the center stage and lead me better, I'm going to give you a chance to respond. I'm going to count to three, and if that's you, I want you to just slip your hand up and put it back down. This is an invite to strengthen the Lordship of Jesus over your lives so that he has access to all parts of who we are. One, two, three. If that's you, go ahead and raise your hand. I see you. Thank you. That's a lot of you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for raising your hand. Thank you in the back. I see you to my right. There's a whole bunch of hands. Let's all pray this together. I want you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask for the right relationships to help me grow. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Now, I just want to give you one last opportunity because maybe you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus. Can I just give you an invitation? If you've never said yes, if you've never started the journey, let me just say, this is the best decision that you can make, yes or no? Yes. It's the best decision. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for Jesus. How many know that? And so if you're here and you're curious, can I just poke your curiosity into a decision? In this moment of grace and hope, if you'd like to accept Jesus as your only begotten Savior and Lord of all, I'm going to give you a chance to respond. You see, He loves you, but He loves you too much to leave you the way you are. And so if that's you and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus for the first time, I'm going to give you a chance to respond. If that's you, go ahead and slip your hand up and put it back down so I can see you. Amen. I see you in the middle. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus, for all those decisions. Even online, if you're watching, thank you for your decision. We'll help you in the comments. And can we just pray as a church to confirm that decision? The power wasn't in the hand being raised. The power was in the belief. Can I get an amen? And so church, say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus. I believe and I acknowledge and I confess that you are my Savior and that you are my Lord. I give myself to you now. Help me in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Can we just give it up for those decisions today? God bless you.